Welcome to Blockbusted, the movie review podcast where we actually tricked you and instead this is a finance podcast. I'm finance bro Mitch. And I'm your analyst Max. And today we are looking at the big short and dumb money. so ready to sell all my stonks today max can you help me sell my stonks i yes what stonks would you like to sell today i have 27 stonks in Mm -hmm. film yeah um how much will that get me which which is that like a company or no just film like the 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 idea of the art medium the art medium film yeah yeah um and where did you buy these? Uh, it was off a really legitimate website called welovestocks.com. The love was not spelt. It was spelled L-U-V. But also in some parts of the website, it was interchangeable with just a red love heart. Um, I feel like you might have got scammed. Do you have like a, like a chess X like letter of approval or anything like that? Oh, I don't play chess, so. Uh, no. Hey, everybody, it's Max and Mitch back to talk to you about films and finance. I know everything about finance. And I know everything about films. Together, we make one film bro slash finance bro. Finance and film bro. Your average. Uh, Chad. Chad. <laughs> Bro. average chad on chad bro dude. A chad bro dude on a podcast yeah but no today's ugh, i keep saying today's it's this week's this week's theme i keep it's because it's written here as today's theme i need to change that this week's theme I mean, it's today for the for the for the person listening to it oh maybe i should keep I it say to over like a couple days. days if they listen to it over seven days then it becomes a week's theme but then if they listen to it over two weeks it becomes a fortnight's theme and at which point yeah, but that, it's not i the- ask do you fortnight do a default dance to that bad boy. Because <laughs> it's a theme. It, like a it is a theme. weekly theme. It's our weekly theme. It's an episodic theme, even. It's this episode's This episode's theme? theme? <laughs> That's what I should be saying. <laughs> I'll write that later, because I'll forget. Um, no, this episode's theme, quirky films about how corrupt Wall Street is and stocks with outrageous casts. We really are getting desperate with our, our like, themes, like, I mean, is, not is desperate. This desperate? I mean, like, it's not desperate. That's they not just the way like, I was looking have for a lot. Of, these films have a lot in common. Yeah, and like, we could have just called it uh, stonks, but that's boring. Or it's money. funny to go. It's funny to get really specific. Investment banking. That sounds boring. Whereas if I say quirky films about how corrupt Wall Street is and stocks and without outrageous costs, first of all, I stumble over it, which is very funny, and second of all. It gets the read the readers, the listeners mind a racing of what we're a gonna racing? talk about. A, a or should we jump into our first f- film about yeah. how corrupt Wall Street is with outrageous costs? I have a canotto here, I'm gonna crack it open. Oh, that reminds me. I will be back very shortly. Give me oh, two no. seconds. Uh okay, I can do this. But uh but but uh being Max is walking away from the camera. All right. 
he's gone. He's gone into the kitchen. I have a pretty good view of his whole setup because that's where his uh, laptop is. So I'm just going to like watch where everything is. He's coming back. He's brought in, bringing a jar of, hold on. Let me see. It's a jar of something. All right. I'm back. I'm back. I got my, I got my, I got my, my drink. Oh, he's got a Murphy's and a. Not Murphy's. Oh, Cooper's. Sorry. I meant Cooper's. Cooper's. I saw a blue and, and I thought and Murphy's. And I got my jar of pickles. It is pickles. What type of pickles? It's sweet and sour pickles. Ugh, my least favorite. Really? I'm more ah, of a chili guy. Juice on my pants. Oh no! Slip it off. Oh, that looks delicious, actually. But I'm more, of a, I'm more of a chili guy. I don't really like sweet pickles. I like chili pickles. I'm more of a vinegar man. I do not think this through. I now have pickle juice on my hands. Lick it off with your mouth. Blah, 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 blah. Make a pop noise as you pull them out. Let's go. That was horrible. Oh, that sounds succulent. Yes. Did you ever do that in the game where you, where you like put your finger in your mouth and you went... You never did that? No, like, I, just, I just always remember that. Oh, I can, there you go. This is excellent podcasting. Spoiler alert for The Big Short and Dumb Money. The Big Short, directed by Adam McKay and released in 2015. It stars Christian Bale, Steve Carroll. Did I say Christian Christian Bale, Steve Carroll, Ryan Gosling, and Margot Robbie in a bubble bath? You know what? I'm surprised I didn't say Margot Robbie with the way I'm currently going. Max, what is The Big Short about without describing the full financial collapse that was the 2008 house crash? Um, just like give, I give just us want a to short. Point out that you <laughs> said Steve Carroll and not Steve Carroll. I said Carroll. Car- no, you said Carroll. I said Carroll. You said Carroll. I meant Carroll. That's that was just my brain going. <laughs> it's hard. I think the issue is that I just read it phonetically because I'm too nervous because I know it's Steve Carell, and but I don't want to get fancy with it, so I just read all of it phonetically. That's the problem. I don't know. Anyway, so I said Bal, didn't I? Christian Bal. Bail. The Big Short is about just that. The Big Short that happened in um, two thousand, the late end of two thousand seven, um, that caused the crash of the U.S. housing market and the subsequent global financial crisis um, of oh seven oh eight, and it follows the story of a couple of different individuals who uh, run investment firms and them working out that all of this shit was going to go down before it happened. That's pretty much it. Oh, now I know who he's from. Sorry, there was a guy in, you know, the guy who runs the uh, thing that Christian Bale works for in this movie. He's like an old man and he looks, well, he's an old man and he's kind of like, he, he's, like, he's like the guy who rocks up and he's like, give me back my motherfucking money, you motherfucker. Remember that part yeah, in the movie? Yeah. yeah. I was wondering why he looked familiar. I'm pretty sure he played Mr. Ford in Ford vs. Ferrari. So I was, I was, I was wondering the whole time why I knew him from something. Cause I was like, that's not Daniel Day-Lewis, not Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, who's the Daniel who's in Mar- the Martian? He's, he's, he's the NASA guy. It's, it's, he's in Dumb and Dumber as well. He's with, he's the second, he's the dumber or the dumb, depending on your perspective. Daniel, Jeff Daniels. Fuck. That's why I couldn't figure it out. His second name's Daniels, not the first one. Okay. Anyway, Max, what did you think of the big short? So this is my second time watching the big short. Oh, me too. Um, and Maybe third time. The first time I watched it, I watched it on an airplane. So the best I, way to watch any film. I feel like um, 
the it especially when you're tired, this movie uh it did not give this movie justice. Um but getting to watch it again and getting to watch it with a little bit more knowledge about all of the goings on of the events that happened um in O seven O eight because I'm all grown up and have done uh reading. I quite like this film. I thought it was quite good. Yes. Excellent. Who's your favorite? Um, of the many actors in this movie. Who's my favorite? Yeah, pick oh, that's, one. That's hard. Don't make yeah, me pick your favorite. That's why I asked, who's your favorite? I like Christian Bale a lot. Oh, you know what? He likes a weird freak, dude. You know what the question I should have asked was, what, who's your favorite uh, celebrity who explains a complex financial concept to us? It's only um three. It's uh, Selena Both. Gomez. It's... It's uh, the um, chef, the sh- Anthony Bourdain, and Margot Robbie. Um, Margot Robbie. And, and also, there's the, there's also the, 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 the professor. Yeah, but with, he doesn't count. Really. Is he not truly a? He's got to be some level of celebrity. Yeah, I know, but I don't recognize him. No. I didn't recognize Anthony Bourdain. You didn't I recognize Anthony him. Bourdain? I don't do cooking. I mean, I cook, He's but so like, famous, I don't. Though. Well, I, the only chef I care about is Guy Fieri because he takes me to Flavor Town. And also, like, all, Jamie Anthony Oliver Bourdain's ruined. like J- Anthony Bourdain's like the most, one of the most, well, was one of the most famous celebrity chefs. More of a Gordon Ramsay guy myself, because he says the fuck word, which is funny. Uh, my favorite has to be probably Margot Robbie in a bubble bath. That's probably my favorite one. Not because she's in a bubble bath, just because my favorite out of all of them is Margot Robbie. And then she also like gets really mean at the end and it gives off like a Wolf of Wall Street vibes, which is another stonks movie that she's in crazy. The connections you get, but uh, I like it. I like this movie. Um, I liked it about as much as the first time I watched or first or second. I don't know how many times I've seen this. I think maybe this is the third time. At least it's the second time. Um, but I liked it. I think about as much as the first time I rated it the same um, amount on letterbox as I did the first time I watched it. So no, I think it's great. I think it's very fun. I think it's very, it's very energetic. Uh, someone described it. This wasn't me, but I agreed with this description. Someone described it as a movie that could at any point implode, but just manages not to because it's cut, shot, acted, and just everything really kind of weirdly and in a way that should not work, but does. Well, it feels very much like almost like they were riffing on the style that The Office was edited in. Um, yeah, that's, that's the impression that I get because you get, it's not a mocky, it's not done in the style of a mockumentary, but it's sort of filmed in that way where you've got a, you've, you've got this direct to camera fourth wall breakiness of a a few characters, um, mostly Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Um, Who's technically telling the story as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, then you also have a lot of that like zoom and shaky cam sort of um, feel that you get from that style of like mockumentary or documentary, m- more mockumentary than documentary style cinematography, which um, was the whole premise of, of the office. Yeah. And then, um, and then co-opted by like Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and that type yeah, of thing. And yeah. And I think, yeah, the the fact it's a uh, came out twenty fifteen, um, Parks and Rec was 
around the same time from memory. Um, I don't know. Brooklyn Nine Nine definitely was the same around um, the same time. Featuring Steve Carell, it sort of <laughs> to me gives the impression that it's like, oh yeah, this definitely, oh this seems to be a a, a inspiration for the way that the, this film was sort of shot and edited. And- I think I, I agree to a certain extent, but it goes further than that in ways because there's just levels of people being cut off mid sentence. It's it's like technically bad editing. Whereas in other, in, in the, in like, say, uh, uh, like the office, I haven't watched that much of the office, but from what I have seen, they don't cut halfway through someone's sentence. They let the, the scene plays out like it was shot normally, but just with the style and anything in between that is different. But with this, it actually kind of cuts at random places and, and yeah, that's kind of more, it's more rough. I think what this film does which is sort of what you're describing is it's tackling what is functionally a really tedious subject matter. Yeah. Um, it's talking about, and like this is obvious to anyone who's watched the film or frankly, even heard of the film. It's talking about um, economics and commerce stuff and insurances and mortgages and things like that. And a lot of it, if just talked in a, like a normal sort of, if you did it in the style of a of a more traditional drama, would probably come across as really boring. And I think what this film does really effectively is it artificially makes everything so much more urgent, and it artificially it artificially makes everything um, so much more um, yeah, as you say, like energetic than it is. And I think this is partially to the way the characters are portrayed the or the characters all have really high levels of energy and mm. um all kind of very volatile characters um but then on top of that you have this editing style that is um there's no guarantee that you're going to get to the end of a sentence there's no um sort of level of predictability with with how you're going to experience the next couple of shots and yeah i think that creates a level of like excitement and tension in the editing that helps sustain a subject matter that isn't necessarily particularly interesting. Yeah. It's almost as, because the, the precarious nature of it is almost a, a representation of the subject that they're talking about as well, how kind of messed up and broken up the housing market was and how this whole situation was so messy. And it's, it's a rep. Yeah. The, the editing, uh, reflects what they're actually discussing, which is good because this movie could have been really boring, which you said before. It could have been an absolutely boring snooze fest, but instead they throw in a bunch of funny, funny swear words and they cut really weirdly and they have moments where they directly talk to the camera and say, all right, this next part is going to be extremely boring, but don't worry, we'll switch it up in a way to make it more interesting for you, the audience. And it even goes so far as to say, look, we like there's a one point where the two really young investment banker guys, they who end up teaming up with Brad Pitt, they find Ryan Gosling characters, Ryan Gosling's characters dossier about the, uh, the, 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 the doing these shorts in a, uh, a lobby for a firm that they tried to get into. 
And it's kind of meant to be like, like, look at this, um, this moment of fate and all that. And then Marlon literally just turns around to the camera and says, this is actually not exactly how this happened at all. One of us heard it through a friend and the other one of us read about it in some journal or something. But so the, the movie goes out of its way to tell us that it spruced up the events to make it seem more interesting. <laughs> and I, I think that's to the film's credit as well, because it oh, makes definitely. it appear more credible. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's a like reasonably easy persuasion tactic where you admit that something you've said is false or something that you have done is, is slightly untrue. And it makes everything, it makes you seem more like human. Hmm. And I think like, I, Again, I, I don't know enough about the actual circumstances of um, the specific firms that are featured in this movie, and um, I'm not going to do the research because I don't care enough. But, well, you um, watch the movie, you know. Oh, but, um, yeah, I guess, like, what, whether or not the movie is accurate enough to what actually happened doesn't really matter because where the way the movie's written is in this way where we're encouraged to believe um, the film to be or the 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 events of the film to be a, a credible source because they admit um, where they're um, yeah adding extra moments of or extra beats where it makes the film more compelling and. Uh, yeah, a lot of the time when you do watch a movie that is based on a true story and you kind of sit through it and go, well, this had a lot of like really convenient beats where this happened and this happened and surely that's how it happened in real life. Um, the fact that the movie goes out of its way to admit that regardless of whether the rest of the movie is more credible or not um, makes it appear to the audience, makes it appear to us as more credible um, and therefore something that we're more likely to believe as truth which makes the film itself more engaging well i mean that's kind of actually one of the things we brought up when we were talking about uh grand grand turismo grand turismo was because i brought up that list of things that happened in the movie and things that didn't then the movie had fabricated multiple things and even switched around the order of events just to create artificial tent well not artificial with dramatic tension but artificially has done that through the switching of these events so when this movie says look we did this to make it more interesting it, it even goes so far because then there's the opposite happens there's moments where something is really unbelievable and ryan this, this is the one where like um steve carell stands up during one of the conferences and he asks some serious questions and then takes a phone call while in the middle of trying to diss out a guy and Ryan Gosling turns to the camera and says, that's actually, that's actually what happened. And so you believe that even more because beforehand they'd said this wasn't real. So it's built, as you mentioned, it's built trust and it's built a rapport with the audience, which is really important for a movie like this because as mentioned, it's really dull. And I think there are it, the, the movie kind of plays with that a little bit because the start of it, nothing is explained for, I think, at least 20 minutes or something. And it takes a, it's not like short, like they get, it gets to the point. It's like 20 minutes before they start talking about shorts and they don't even talk, they don't explain shorts before they start talking about it. And you hit a point where you're kind of like, I'm a little bit lost. This is how I watched it at least. Like I'm a little bit, because when the first time I watched it, I knew what shorts were the second time I watched it. Uh, then, then they start to explain stuff and then it feels like the movie starts to ramp up after that, after they explain what's going on, because it kind of gives you a reveal. Cause I think, is it this movie? Because I mean, I'm getting some overlap between Dumb Money and 
this one just because there's some stuff. But I think it's this one where they say that finance bankers made up a bunch of jargon. Oh, it's this one where, uh, yeah, it's this one where, yeah, um, uh, Grind Gosling goes, do you feel confused, dumb, stupid yet? You're, you're meant to, like all that. And it's like, I did feel all that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just clever. Mm. It's clever filmmaking. Have you, how do you feel about some, I don't know if you know if you've seen any of them, but how do you feel about some of the other movies that this guy has directed, Adam McKay? Um, I, how do you feel about his politics? <laughs> I don't know, because I don't know what other movies he's directed. Give me two seconds. Well, I can I can read out some highlights for you. Uh, sure. I have, I have it right here in front of me. Yeah. Uh, we have Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. I have I have seen this one. Um, I'm not sure... What it says about his politics. It's really his. It's really his latest stuff. But I'm trying to give it like a bit of a general idea. It's his latest stuff, though. That's definitely more political. Mm. Uh, so he did. He did Anchorman one. He did Talladega Heights. He did a bunch of like those types of things. He did the other guys, which is another Will Ferrell film, and Step Brothers. Then he did The Big Short, which was kind of a change of pace for him. And from then on, he's kind of only done stuff like that. Like he did an episode of Succession. But then he did mm-hmm. Vice, which is the movie about Dick Cheney. Mm-hmm. And Christian Bale, once again, is uh, the main guy in that. There's another standout cast. And it obviously paints Dick Cheney in a really horrible light because mm-hmm. then we get like Don't Look Up as well, which is just mm-hmm. basically a, a complete shit on the Trump administration. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was just wondering what you maybe how you felt about that and... I don't know. I mean, if this like, something to talk about there. <laughs> um, of his more latest stuff, it's it's this and um, don't look up that I've seen. Yeah, um, and um, I mean, don't look up was fine. Um, it's right. It's fine, right? It's um, it's preachy and, like, though. I don't. I don't know like how much. I don't want to say like, oh yeah, I agree everything one hundred percent because that's like a weird thing to say on a podcast. <laughs> um, but like. I don't disagree with his the politics of uh that he's expressed through his filmography. Mm. Um there's a lot about this film that is very much um pro or less that and more um anti institution and anti government. Um in a not in a the government shouldn't exist, but you know, um, the government fails to do its job, mm. um, way, which, which I do think is very true, especially in the States. Um, yeah. because, um, in Australia, obviously the GFC, um, or the, the, um, way the GFC played out in Australia was very different to the way that it played out in the States. We had a lot, um, we had a very different uh, reaction to it in terms of our um, government, and our financial institutions, mm. um, and that as a result meant that there wasn't there, there wasn't no impact. There was it was still a like a really big financial event um, that rocked the whole world. But um, Australia definitely felt it less than um, most other places. Um, and yeah, given this film is set in the states. It is sort of like a different uh, sort of perspective on that. Um, the one thing I will say, and I, I think we'll probably get into this later. I'm not going to say we will because I'm going to stop saying that we will. Um, mm. But um, the idea of it being, it's still 
Um, I, w- I wouldn't call it like a socialist film and I wouldn't call it like a pro like individual, like um, everyday person sort of film. It's still very much focusing on um, these investment firms and um, the impact it had on them and the impact it had on the banks and touches on the way that it impacted people. And I feel Mm. like if I were to really like dig down and give one big like political criticism of this film and that it would be that um, the effect of the GFC, the effect of this crash um, really um, personally affected millions of people. Um, um, (laughs) Sorry, there was like, yeah i think that's the one one if i yeah if i had to be really critical it, that would be the one thing i'm just trying to think uh i was gonna i was gonna ask i was gonna put you in the uh the mind of an investment banker max can you can you get there for me are you there yep all right i'm here would you capitalize on this crash if you knew it was coming absolutely because mm. like Here's the thing, right, is what – if you're in that position that you've worked out there's going to be this shitstorm that's brewing, no one's going to believe you because it's completely contradictory to um, every economic principle that has held up um, the economy of the United States for as long as it's existed. Yeah, so, so um, the – these investment firms um, yeah. worked this worked it out. Um, no one believed them. That that's that's part of what this movie addresses. Is no one believed them. The press didn't. Be, the press wasn't didn't believe them. Um, the banks didn't believe them, and the government didn't believe them. And so no one was going to do anything about it. And there's no way that they would have been able to convince that without a huge rally of public support, which wasn't going to happen without the housing market crashing first. Um, yeah. And I think there's nothing left to do than um, capitalize on it because at the end of the day, you're taking money out of the hands of, uh, of, of big corporate banks. And I like, I, as much as I'm not a big fan of investment firms, I think I like big banks less. <laughs> That's really fair. What about you? Are you, are you, uh, do you consider yourself an investor? No, I don't earn any stock much to the, uh, opposite of what I said at the beginning of this episode. Uh, I don't own any stock. It's just not something I get that I'm probably supposed to be investing or whatever, but I just couldn't really be bothered. Uh, any single time someone tells me to, I don't want to. I, I guess, well, in that case, I'll ask you one question that I think um, is normally what people talk about when they talk about the reason why this film is, is highly praised, which is hmm. um, how did you feel about how it informs you about these quite complex um, economic theories as well as economic principles and um, institutions and yeah. products, I guess. It um, Look, it does a good job trying to give me a crash course on these subjects. I understand that the real issue is that a lot of these things are things that people spend years doing degrees on to understand. So, And the movie's trying to give me a real quick like this is what you need to know to understand what's going on i may be the uh, dumbest man alive so you know that's got that going for me as well and look it does a decent job it hits a point in the movie where they're throwing a lot of words at 
at the audience though. And for me, I'm not saying this is a problem everyone has. I'm just saying this is something I had. For me, that does hit a point that even though they're saying words I recognize, it's been quite a while since I've received a definition of what that word means that I am a bit lost on what's going on. I think the word, the one that really gets me is uh, subprime, which I know, which now that I'm thinking of it now, I'm like, I know that means bad. Like it means a bad stock, means bad mortgages, sorry. Uh, but during, in the film, when they're throwing a billion other words and then they'll, they'll slip subprime in there, I'll be still kind of stuck on the other words that they were saying. And I'll be like, oh, they said subprime. Crap, what does subprime mean again? I don't remember. So it's just my brain has a hard time keeping up. But what the movie does is it manages to convey just the severity of going on, the things that are going on and the stupidity of what's going on, even if you don't fully understand what it is, which I think that's at least how it worked for me. I'm going to assume other people are more intelligent than I am and were able to follow the film better than I could. <laughs> well, I know the first time I watched this film, not this time I, I, I again, like both I've um, had more experience read more. and yeah. read more and things like that. But the first time I watched this film, a lot of that stuff sort of slipped past me. And I, I, I feel like um, it's something where like the understanding of it is a requirement for being able to fully enjoy this film. And yeah, it is like still an enjoyable film without well, fully I still understanding. Like it. I still like it. Yeah. And I, I, didn't, I just described how my experience for the film was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like there's, there's a, another like little bit to get out of it. If, if the movie can keep up with, or if you can keep up with the, um, the pace at which the movie is, is throwing new um, terms and ideas at you. Um, and, and yeah, it does this a lot because there's a lot going on and it's, it's, um, a complex thing that that um was is difficult to explain, and um I think the fact that they did it in a way that maybe isn't perfect, um, but got gives you an idea of what's happening, um, and doesn't leave you completely in the dark, um, is is um a yeah credit to the the writing of the film and then um i guess also the just the way that they they play a lot of it off as um gags and have things like Margot Robbie in the bathtub um have the fourth wall break turn to the camera this is what this means subprime's subprime means shit um sort of stuff um and the as you said before the the sort of um the the part where we're told that like it doesn't matter if we don't understand it or if we're confused by it because it's meant to do that because it's meant to be like exclusionary mm. um i think yeah I, I i think that makes the film more accessible than it would be otherwise and i think that's part of the why it part of the why part of the reason um why it is a compelling film is that it does make it accessible to someone who doesn't know anything about mortgage bonds, mortgage to loan me. bonds. I don't know anything People about like mortgage me. loan bonds, but like what, like the, the, the average cinema goer, I think even the average person I would argue does not know anything about mortgage bonds. I'd agree with or, that. Or the um, difference between triple A and double B. I have no, it's letters or, to me, or, man. Or, um, the 
mortgage loan short stock. I still stock, technically stock, don't understand how stock, a short stock, works. Stock. Like I get it. I fully understand the concept, but where the money comes from, I don't understand. Please don't explain it to me. I, I it's, it's just like, but I'm just trying to make a point of like, yeah, that's like what we're dealing with here. And I still enjoyed the movie. Um, I, I think, yeah, no, this movie it's, it did. I think it did exactly what you were describing the best way it could. It did the best way it could. That's pretty much it. Like there was no other way that this movie could have presented what it, the information that it had more clearly. It's just unfortunate the information it's trying to present is severely convoluted. And the movie descri- says so. It's like it, this is meant to be dumb and annoying and frustrating. I think the worst scene for me where it really hits a point where I just like, I look, I'm really vaguely getting what's going on here, like very, very poorly, is the scene where Steve Carell uh is talking to i can't remember what position he is or even the actor's name but it's he's at it's at the casino and he's doing like the one-on-one with the guy who looks he's apparently he works for the investors like that's he he represents the investors but he works for the he basically works for the bank and i think they talk about how i think it's the cdp's cdp that's the communist something party isn't it no i want the cdas cdas is that what it is yeah, I was talking about a communist party. Yeah, uh, the CDAs is uh, they basically take chunks and then put them into other ones, and they just keep like planting little pieces into different. And I was like, this is kind of over my head at this point. And this, like, that's the part I understood the most, and even that was over my head. I think that's the, yeah. probably the worst scene where I, that happens. I, I agree. And um, my partner and I were watching this, and we paused it to try and unpack that, um, which is kind of funny because that scene is immediately followed up with um Selena Gomez Someone explaining it explaining yeah. <laughs> what what that means and and I think it's I really appreciate that the film is constructed in a way um that when they get to these really complex scenes that are confusing they can take a moment to go like we know this is confusing here's a simple explanation yeah. Um, and the reason it can do that is because it, 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 A, builds up a rapport with the audience and mm. B, builds a tone that allows for it. And, um, I think in, yeah, a movie that would have played it completely straight, you wouldn't have been able to get away with something like that. Um, and the fact that this movie takes on this, really high energy comedic tone um despite tackling a really quite serious issue um really helps make it accessible to the general public yeah well i can't think of much more to say can you um no awesome should we short out stocks in this we should short. I mean, do we want to short our own stocks? Are we let's sell our movie stock or our film reviews. stocks? Film. Yeah. Let's sell our the reviews. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'll give. I'll give mine. Uh, four times Ryan Gosling was literally me. In brackets, I'm superficial and constantly breaking the fourth wall. I gave the big short 
for AAA mortgage bond loan bonds. Mortgage loan bonds. I'd buy that for. I'd buy that for a dollar. Out of five. (laughs) Well, out of five for me too. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, finance bro Mitch here, here to give you a rundown of our latest and greatest uh, stocks in the company Max and Mitch's Mini Media. Uh, I've got here some guests with me. Uh, first one up is Max. We're going to discuss his contribution to the mini media uh, 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 company. Max, why don't you go ahead and discuss mini media with us? Hi, thank you for having me here, um, Finance Bro Mitch. Uh, absolutely I, welcome. I uh, want to discuss with you a game. It's about, uh, I want to discuss with you um, a, a board game. And the reason I want to discuss with you this board game is it's about money. Oh my goodness. Uh, I love money. Finance yeah. bro Mitch loves one thing and it's money. Uh, this week I got, I got treated to a new board game uh, that I played with some friends called Libertalia. Uh, it's been Ooh. around for a while, but we played the newly remastered version um, with some additional rules to make tiebreakers easier. That's apparently. exciting. Um, but basically in this board game, you captain a, a pirate ship in the, um, land of Libertalia where pirates ships fly on the winds. They fly. Um, oh, okay. Sorry. They, I was going to say. There's no reason for this. It just looks cool. The art gotcha. is cool. So they actually fly. You, yeah. The pirate ships fly. Oh, that's cool. Like in the clouds. Oh, that's pretty sick. And your your job is to send your pirate crew down to the island to collect loot before any of the other rival pirate gangs can do it. And the aim of the game is to get as much money as you can. Um, I love money. I love money. Um, it's really fun. It's it's sort of like a um interesting idea where everyone has the same information um but the way that you use your resources um differs and so you sort of play this game of mostly guessing what your opponents are trying to do and trying to capitalize on that um and it makes this really interesting game of um sort of interaction between your opponents and um trying to plan out how you're going to um, either best them or screw them over or take advantage of the position they're in. And I really like games that um, sort of do that and don't leave a lot to chance. There's there's not a lot of um, chance or like luck element in this game, which makes you as a player feel more in control. And I think that's a really like good uh thing for a board game to have um mm. the most like there's random elements to it which is um you randomly get assigned what um like pirates you have in your um crew each adventure but everyone has the same pirates so although they're randomly chosen everyone has the same pool to choose from yeah um and it was fun and we had a good time and we'll probably play it again soon and um it's on shelves in your game store now, I guess. Um, it's uh, been published by one of my favorite game publishers at the moment, which is Stonemaier Games. Um, what else they, do they do? They 
most famously have done Wingspan. Um, That's the bird game? I'm sure you've talked to me, I've talked to you about before, which is a bird game where you collect birds and it's fun and it's engine building. Um, and like this game birds. has a little bit of that as well. Um, and they've also done Scythe, um, which is a more complex sort of uh, strategy game. Um, they've done, uh, oh, what's it called? Um, it's called something like Red Rebellion or something like that. Um, but they're the publishers, not the designers. I'm, mm. I'm just going to make that distinction now. The designers of a game are um, still like the people responsible for making the game as fun as it is, but they produce some really excellent um, uh game pieces and storage units for the game. So um, everything feels fun to play with and feels of high quality. You get a little treasure chest to score your points on, um, cool. which is fun. And um, everything feels like nice and uh, doesn't feel like cheap. You know, when you have a board game that like feels sort of like everything feels a bit like plasticky and yuck and um, there's no like, uh, quality to it, and you get some cheap games like that. Mm. Um, I think this publisher. The reason I like the publisher so much is because they reasonably consistently um produce these um really high quality game pieces. Um, for these games, they're really fun. So that's that's my mini menu for this week. Fantastic! Sounds excellent. Did you win? No. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Who won? Um, I think it was Mr. Manager. Ah, oh, sick. Good I job, think. Mr. Manager. I can't remember, to be honest. Unless you didn't win, in which case, bad job, Mr. Manager. But we're going to assume you did win. I have a kind of a, a bit of an exciting, uh, uh, mini media this week. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a time capsule in blockbusted uh, history. Uh, listeners may recall that the first time we ever did Maxim Mitch's mini media, which we decided to put at the very beginning of an episode, which was not clever and was pointed out to us very early on. Uh, I also we also decided to talk about multiple things that we looked at. And I accidentally rambled unpre- unprepared about a book called The Secret History. I have finally finished that book. Yeah! It was done. I read it. It's completed. I read a book. Good job, me. I haven't been reading. So basically, I haven't read much since. I read a bunch when I first got that book. And when I was talking about it, when we first released that episode, I then stopped reading just because uni was in the way and it was hard to get myself to want to read anything that, because I was reading so many textbooks and, and assignments and essays and stuff like that. So I was just like not reading. I would watch movies and, and other things. But now that uni is over for me, I'm back on reading and I finished that bad boy off. And you know what? Great book. A bit of a, uh, not a hot take. Uh, for a book that's about 30 years old and everyone who reads it loves it as far as I'm aware. But here's another one, baby. It's a good book. I uh, highly recommend uh, I'll get a quick synopsis. This is, uh, this is spoiler free, by the way. Everything I'm about to say is either revealed pretty early on or is not a spoiler. So I'm not, I'm not, not ruining the book. Basically, it's about these uh, six or so academics 
uh, well, sorry, students at a uh, college in New England in uh, America who all study under this one charismatic teacher uh, who does ancient Greek. And for some reason or another, the book starts with them having killed one of them. One, like the one, one of the group has been killed by the rest of the group. And so the rest of the book is about kind of like, why did that happen? How did this happen? What happened for this to occur? And then also what the uh, aftermath of that was as well. Really good book. Excellent. Read it. It's very clever. Donna Tart did it. She did The Goldfinch, which was also an Ansel Elgort film. So don't hold that against her. Uh, yeah. Good, good movie. Fuck. Book. Good book. <laughs> I actually haven't seen The Goldfinch, but I heard it's horrible. And I also don't like Ansel Elgort. So I need to give that disclaimer. Gonna crack open another brewski here. Hold on. Ah, oh, fuck. My hands are sweaty. Um, Dumb Money, directed by Craig Gillespie and released in 2023. It stars. All right, here we go. Don't read them phonetically. Don't read them phonetically. Here we go. Paul Dano. We good? Well, I thought yeah. you were going to say Paul Dano for a moment. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not reading it phonetically. I'm not reading it. Um, Pete Davidson. America Ferrara. Ferrara. Fuck. <laughs> what was it again? Ferrara? Ferrara. Fuck. Okay. Shailene Woodley. Shailene. 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 It's not Shailene. Don't fuck with me on this. It's- Fuck. It's everyone everyone I've ever heard say it is always is Shailene. No one I've never heard anyone say Shailene. I'm so that sure, one's in I'm contention. Sure that one's in contention. Seth Rogan. Uh, no, that's Vincent actually D'Onofrio. pronounced uh, Donkey Kong. Seth Rogan. <laughs> oh. And uh and Vincent D'Onofrio, which is correct. I know that one's correct, who is also unfortunately not in a bubble bath. That would have made this film a hundred times better. Yeah, I would have watched um Vincent D'Onofrio in a bubble bath. That would be excellent. It took me so long to figure out who he was in the I, movie. I'm still like not totally. I think I know who he was, but I'm not it's, sure. But like, he's the second guy who talks to Seth Rogen. There's a there's it's a the, handful of other like guys who you've missed as well. I've 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 clearly well for both of them. I only did like five people in Big Short, but there was a lot more. Yeah, and then also in Dumb Money, I've missed a bunch because we don't want to spend the whole movie. I've we've this is I did this with <laughs> Oppenheimer and Bobby as well. I cut down. All right, I do the main ones. And Vincent D'Onofrio. He's probably not in it enough to warrant being in this list, but I just like Vincent D'Onofrio. He was on the like, major credits. They paid him a lot. Was I he? Think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, he deserves it. He's good. Uh, but anyway, Max, what is Vincent... What, what is, is Dumb Money about? What is Vincent D'Onofrio about? I don't know. What is he about? I don't Tell know me about Vincent about. D'Onofrio. He does things. What's, I really like him in Daredevil. He's going to be in the next season, right? I, I think so. Well, they, spo- they did him at the end of Hawkeye. He wasn't. They spoiled him in Hawkeye. They spoiled him in Hawkeye. <laughs> they spoiled Daredevil in Hawkeye. Well, they did Classic. that too, but like, that's just. But that you mean spoiled as in like ruined, not as in uh, told. A plot, yeah, because plot the in. Hawkeye plot was actually a Daredevil plot. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it was actually it was a reference to. Da- Let's get dumb money. Dumb money. <laughs> so dumb money is about um. The 2020-2021 GameStop sh- uh, bubble Big short. <laughs> shortage 
thing that happened on the internet. Um, for a quick summary of those who weren't following the news at that time, a whole bunch of people on Reddit primarily decided they were going to buy GameStop stock and made it really valuable, which screwed over a whole bunch of uh, Wolf Wall Street hedge fund guys. Wolf um, of Wall Street guys. <laughs> and and uh, then there was some issues with people being corrupt. Yeah. Which is I'm, very similar to what happened in the last movie, but um, this well, is more recent. Yeah. So I'm going to put this out here, right here, right now. You ready? I'm making this call. And I, if you disagree with this, I'm going, we're going to have a serious problem. Right, ready? So some would call putting Reddit memes in a movie brave. I, on the other hand, would call it poor judgment and obnoxious. I think you're wrong. You're wrong. Absolutely incorrect. I thought it was it was horrifying. I did not like this movie. I don't know how you cannot I don't know how you can make a film about Reddit that doesn't have Reddit memes. Regardless you know of how done? shit no, no, Reddit no. memes hold on. are. Hold on, hold on. You know what they should have done? Not made a movie about Reddit. That's what they should have done. Cause this movie sucks. I do not like this movie You're at all. Wrong again. No, I'm not wrong. Yes, you because are. Because I don't enjoy watching a movie that tries to humanize Redditors. Because uh, <laughs> they're not human. They're creatures of built from disdain and disgust towards humanity. Um, so how much time have you too, personally so. spent on Reddit, Mitchell? <laughs> quite a bit. Quite a bit, actually. I used to be quite a Redditor. I've since taken myself off of Reddit because it's such a toxic wasteland of people being mean to each other i think i i distinctly remember you introducing me to a subreddit um, don't to say what it was don't say what it was <laughs> that was um, don't say where it. you could role play your retired dnd characters it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, and then it turned out it was moderated by pedophiles. My case in point. I did not know that bit. What the fuck? I found out pretty, I found out after I left. So like, huh. I, I, I wasn't there during the occurrence of that, but like one of the guys was a pedophile. It turned out, which just furthers my point. Why make a movie about Redditors? <laughs> I want to mention, I did that when I was 15. Like I was not a clever person. I would, that was peak Reddit Mitchell. It was it was fun at the time. It was fun at the time. I would not do it again. I agree. I would also not do but, it again. Yeah. yeah. Um. I can't believe you just outed us like that on. Despite <laughs> your despite your opinions on Reddit, mm. if you can distance yourself from Reddit, sure. Let me go into the reasons why I think this is actually just a badly crafted film. Okay. I believe that this movie tries to be a bit of a drama and tries to be a bit of a comedy. I think it is neither funny nor, which I'll admit that is very much opinionated. The comedy is a very opinionated thing. And I won't, I will say that that's something that didn't work for me. I'll happily admit that. However, I fully believe that the drama in this movie is not well crafted because as far as I could tell, there was no build between dramatic moments. There was just dramatic moments. Then the next dramatic moment, there was no reason for it. It felt my, my, my go-to example of this, is the scene where Miss Woodley uh, is leaving Paul Dano. There's no real build up to that. We, as far as we're aware before that scene, she's pretty, uh, 
She's pretty supportive of what's going on. And then that just kind of occurs. And then she doesn't leave anyway. So that's, that's, that's my main go-to example. Uh, other examples include just basically the whole end sequence where like there's all these like things where it's like paying off stuff, but it's like, oh, I wish we'd looked at that for a bit longer for that to mean something to me. That would be cool. And just uh, Seth, Seth, what, what I get Seth Rogen and Vincent D'Onofrio and the guy I actually didn't mention, which is what's his name? He's, he's the mustache man, mustache man, Nick, Nof- Nick Offerman. Can we see more of them, please, doing stuff? Like, we just see them kind of fought around for a bit. And then, you know, and I get that that's possibly what happened in real life. But the big shot has already shown that you can do a movie like this and change it up a bit to make it more interesting. Because that's what this movie is. It's the big shot, too. But, like, bad. It's bad. It's the big shot if it was bad, basically. It doesn't have any of the charm. It doesn't have any of the interesting quirks. It doesn't have any of the interesting editing that we talked about for a decent amount of length in the last one. It the acting's fine. I won't I won't I won't go into that. I think the acting's pretty fine, but I don't think any of the main actors in this had the same gravitas and charisma that the main actors in the big short had. I think you got a bunch, you 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 got a bunch of people who should not be in leading roles in leading roles. I don't know if I've seen a movie with Paul Dano in it where I thought, yeah, he should definitely be a leading man, except for Ruby Sparks because he played a creepy guy in Ruby Sparks really well. Ruby Sparks? That's, that's not Ruby Sparks. Fuck, what's the movie? Called? Uh, something, it's, I think it's Ruby Sparks. It's the one where he brings a girl to life because he has a magic typewriter and then he becomes really creepy. Good movie. Uh... That's my thoughts on it, though. Max, do you want to rebut? <laughs> I liked it, and I thought it was funny. Uh, Excellent. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I... You're, I, allowed, to, you're allowed to. You're, I, um, I yeah. disagree. I think the way that this film is structured is not meant to be a film about the hedge fund guys. And I think the fact that they kind of piss fart around and don't really do anything and then are sad about it, um, makes me feel about as much sympathy for them as I want to. Um, Because for me, and I think the movie's intention is this, um, is to be a pro, um, like individual anti-Wall Street movie. And I think this is sort of what I was touching on with um, the big short is that what this you're mentioning socialism. Yeah. So yeah, what this film does that the big short does not do is it, is it specifically looks at the impact on individual people. I'm not going to for a moment, try and pretend that the people who we meet in this movie are real people beyond the actual, like the Keith Gill, Keith and hedge fund guys, because Like we know they're real because of like they were on they were like talked to by like like the uh the 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 American government yeah. had to like subpoena them and shit. And all the other like Redditors, I guess, are played by <laughs> are played by um or played as characters who um are conceivably real but not actually real people. And 
I think I kind of like that about this film is that it doesn't try and make it this sort of super heady, um, like film about where, um, going to take this action because of this reason and like, uh, the shorting means exactly this and they do explain enough of it for the film to make sense but a lot of it comes down to um people having a faith in this one guy to be able to um sort of give them this sort of uh leadership to um sort of uh lay off against the like corporate America side of things that this film looks mm. at. Um, and in terms of, um, I, I guess from that sort of perspective of the film, I don't mind the sort of dramatic skips as you sort of described it as much mm. because, um, where, and th- this is true of the big short as well, is that we, you can't do this film as a, this is all contained within a very short period of time. It's not feasible to do that. And it's not going to make a good film to do that. Um, but, and what it does is it jumps from emotional beat to emotional beat. Um, and I f- feel like what your problem with it is, is that you don't sort of get enough time to like rest in between those beats. Um, Not even rest, but also just build, do enough for it to be a logical conclusion to what you've set up before. That's my problem. I I think what the way I- But also the correct resting is also a problem as well. I I, I feel like my reading of this is like, this was this really short dynamic thing that happened in a really short period of time. Um, Sure. And- the way that for me at least the dramatic moments were played out um in this film sort of reflected that in the fact that everything is going now everything is happening now and you don't have time to unpack like you don't have complete time to unpack why people change their minds or why um the character a character is gonna do something and then do some and then does something else um and on the whole, like I actually did like quite like this film. Sure. I, I want to agree with you, but the problem I have is that we already have a movie that did this, but then also was able, like did the, doesn't have time to technically show you everything. Doesn't have time to do this. Doesn't have the time to do that. But we, but it manages to show it kind of in a way that was still believable and interesting. And that movie was the big short, uh, it just feels like this is a lesser version of that. And I, when I watched the trailer, I got that sense and I'm, I'm more than happy to admit that I'm, I go into movies pre-biased off of a trailer, but that's like what a trailer is made for anyway. So like, you know, but I've also walked into a couple of movies expecting to absolutely hate them and from the trailer and then come out absolutely loving them. This movie, I watched the trailer and I was like, this looks like a bad version of the big short. And to me, it fulfilled that prophecy of being a bad version of the big short. Yeah. I guess like I, agree with you that it is like absolutely inspired by the big show and the other key inspiration for this film is the social network um 
which sure. I will touch yeah. back on in a tick. But um, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, when I watch those trailers, I think I was always going to be, I was always more excited for this film than you were um, when we talked about it, like in preparation for this. And I think I went into the film with an expectation of what I wanted the film to be and the film fulfilled that for me. And mm. um, as a result, I enjoyed it. And I mean, we could go in completely black, like completely blind about I expectations, genuine- but I don't know if that's helpful in terms of like actual consumption of film media. I, that's, that's not, that's, that doesn't, I think going in with no expectations kind of is not genuine critique because you have to be able to take in what the film audience is receiving beforehand and going in and what's, what information they're being given to get them into that cinema. You know what I mean? Because so we, we technically are going to do it no matter what we see. Because we've said we're going to watch this movie, but for us to be able to critique something, we have to have that expectation of this is what we were shown. Because uh, one of the key, one of the main points that we looked at in some of my film uh, studies classes was that trailers are very important in how they represent what the genre is going to be and all that. Because expectations are important for what a film is. Basically, does it play into that? Does it subvert? Yeah, yeah. Beyond, there, yeah. There's there's the paratexts to the like text of if you want to get into a literary analysis of it it's the the paratext of the film so not only trailers but things like um interviews with cast members and Mm. um articles that you read about it from preview screenings and um posters and um clips on tiktok and all sorts of things like that it's why the actor strike is so detrimental beyond just the actual creation of films, but the ability to market these films that are already being made and why movies that are completed already are still being pushed back because stuff, I think Dune is probably the biggest one right now that should be out. I think two days ago or something like that, but it got pushed back because uh, the actors can't promote it and it's going to die if it can't, mm. prom- if they can't do that. Um, Maybe not. Maybe do more and die, but it won't do nearly as well as it needs to. Because Dune's an expensive movie; it needs to do well. So, yeah. I look. If anything, it just the problem I have with this movie is that it's really boring to me. I wasn't interested in what was going on. I think the most interesting parts were the meme parts, but that's because I was being shown a bunch of sounds and colors and the word the the R slur for people who have a mental disability and the term gay bears was being thrown around a bunch. I both love and absolutely despise the amount that it leans into the absolute horror that is Reddit. Um, yeah. There's a line by um, Keith's wife um, who says when- the, By Miss Woodley. By Miss Woodley. Um, we, we won't say the first name of because that's in contention right now. <laughs> um <laughs> who when the site gets shut down overnight um, says something like um, because of hateful and discriminatory content said, um, Mm. says something along the lines of, um, but there's always been hateful and discriminatory content. That's actually probably something that really put me off. You, yes, think please continue. But that's something that put me really off was that line actually. Yeah. um, I don't know. I, I thought it was, it was for me, it was funny and it was delivered in a funny way, but it's, it's a, Something that is uh, like a known problem with um, sites like Reddit, where they're mm. more conducive to um, like hateful content 
um, and hateful like speech online um, because they can be privately moderated and because um, they form sort of these really tight echo chambers as well. Um, and like, I think it's a good thing that the movie highlighted it, but I also think it's maybe like it, interesting <sighs> in the way that it chose to do it. Um, the way it did it was because it did the memes, but the memes are shown to be kind of like it's endearing that they're doing this in a way. Obviously the ones with the R word is slightly, but still the kind, it's like, it's like self itself. Uh, it's, it's, it's not calling other people the R word. It's they're calling themselves the R word. So it's kind of like given this idea of this is fine. I think it's like this self-awareness that the film has, that it's like, this is, these are the kind of people who were involved in this. And this is that's not who we see. No, but it's right? it's the it's the they they have an awareness that this is the community that was involved. This is the online space that this happened in. Um, and this is reality of that. And it gives you enough context for like A, that scene, but um I think also just gives you a bit of an insight, especially as someone who has been online for most of their life, as someone who has <laughs> been on Reddit and has been um has like seen some of this sort of stuff firsthand because it's frankly unavoidable in a lot of places um, is sort of the recognition that that um, has. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't know. I think to, to go off of just like the way I don't like certain things being represented, I don't appreciate that in this movie, the two to three people who are enforcing the mask rule in a lockdown are shown to be like kind of like assholes about it. That, that, that feels like weird politics to me. Like. Yeah. Do you I know mean, what I mean? Like, it's like in the only time anyone's ever asked to put a mask on is with some person being an asshole about it. It's it, yeah. like whenever a character takes off the mask, it's like, cause like one of the main guys, I think it's the guy who works at GameStop. He keeps taking off his mask and the person who keeps telling them to put the mask back on is the asshole manager. And the manager is an asshole. But the fact that the main character telling someone to put their mask on is this asshole manager, like the guy's correct, but you're making him look like an asshole for it. Like, I don't appreciate that that's the representation of, of being safe. COVID practice was shown to be. Yeah. I mean, it has a bit of a weird mixed message about that as well. And I don't know how much yeah. that comes down to like personal politics um, of, of the filmmakers and um, how much I, I know that um the fact of the matter is, is that especially in Victoria, we became a lot more, um, it became a lot more normalized. Um, mm. So like for you and me, it's not, it wasn't ever, well, it didn't, for me at least, it didn't really ever feel we like We did it big because deal. we knew it was the correct but thing to do. It, but <laughs> yeah. um, I guess like in places like the States, there was much, lower levels of restriction and much lower levels of enforcement than um, what we sort of experienced. And so- You know what there was much higher of? Yes. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting take. I guess like, I don't know. I didn't, I agree. I think it's, I think it's a bit strange, but I think it functionally comes down to personal politics because on the other hand, you have the whole sort of like subplot that, um, Keith's sister had died from um, COVID. Yeah, um, well, that's 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 what's weird. There's a character who suffered from dying from COVID, yet, and it's it's like a major 
emotional thing for more than one character because um keith we get to see his whole family like uh pete davidson plays his brother and uh clancy brown and uh, kate burden is a name that is familiar to me but i don't know what she's from um but but uh they're all like a family and there's a there's a scene that's dedicated to them going to her uh uh, uh grave and being really sad about it, and it's probably the most emotional scene in the movie, and it's probably the most one of the parts that made me sit up beyond the, being bombarded with obnoxious memes. Uh, and yet, there's still it, it, at other points in time we have characters who just—it's just like some asshole person being like, "Um, mask, please." Like Dane DeHaan, which was insane that Dane DeHaan was there. Actually, insane that most a lot of these people were there. Like, I liked seeing Clancy Brown. I'm always on Clancy Brown watch. I love him. He's not in enough stuff. I, I don't know if you know who Clancy Brown is. He was the dad. No, I, he has a I really deep voice. Out, but like, he's like, he's got like a really deep voice. He's the main bad guy in the first Highlander film. It's pretty sick. Uh, he's also in, he's in Daredevil. He's like the commander to Frank uh, Castle in the second season. He testifies at court. Uh, I think he dies. He dies a lot. He was in Gen V. He's in Gen V. Well, he was. He is? Um, yeah. I don't know. I stopped watching that show. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I have much else to say. I didn't like this movie. Um, yeah. You want to you wanna talk about the... Um, you mentioned social network. You want to go uh, further yeah, into that? So, um, thanks. I would have forgotten otherwise. So... Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> there's... Uh, Something I found really interesting about this film was um actually came up in the credits, which was um the production studio for um this movie. I don't know if you're if you this caught your eye or not. Um mm-hmm. but it is the Winklevoss twins production company. I, met, I saw it somewhere. I did actually see no, because that's in the intro as well, and I think I saw it, but I thought I read it wrong. And so just I didn't remember it. Yeah, no, I did notice that. Um which that's crazy <laughs> for, yeah for those who um don't know or haven't heard that name in a long time were the um two brothers who um helped fund the startup of facebook and then uh got uh kicked Fucked out over. of it um and were represented as such in the movie the social network with jesse eisenberg and um andrew garfield um, i was gonna say army hammer played the Winkle Voss twins. Yeah, but I yeah. didn't realize. I didn't realize you were trying to think of Andrew Garfield. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm always trying to think of Andrew Garfield. <laughs> um, but I find it really interesting that um, they because they lost a lot of money on Facebook and then made a lot of money off crypto. Um, mm, really? I, I, I didn't yeah, know they that. did. Um, but I find it really interesting that they're the or their production company is is the company that's um promoting a or producing rather a film like this and a film that is like inherently pro um individual um like not pro individual but but um socialism anti uh uh Anti-bank, anti-Wall Street. Yeah, Yeah. anti-bank, anti-Wall Street. um, And sort of a, um, for this idea of like, um, I know Occupy Wall Street gets gets mentioned a little bit 
um, but that sort of ongoing, um, the ongoing ideas of of the reclamation of um, the financial institution to the individual um, from the big corporate firms to um, the like yeah, the individual people who actually are affected Yeesh. by it. Um, so I just I don't know I found that very interesting, and then. Um, looking on it, I, there's a lot of parallels to the way that the social network as a film was made and um, or looked and came across as as the way that this film approaches there both. Um, and I think this is this is one of the key distinctions between this and The Big Short is that this film, um, Dumb Money, plays more as a – it's not – a drama it is still funny but and like it's like is a comedy drama but is more dramatic i'm in square scare quotes dramatic um cool dramedy yeah but i i I'd say it's more it's more like uh do it percentage wise it's more it's more of a it's more um it feels more like it's the it's just about people talking than than the big short was and I don't know whether that's just a reflection of the energy levels in the two films and the fact that this is definitely a film that has a lower energy level to the big short uh, to the big short um, mm. and the fact that it is a lot of just people talking to each other and the way that they relate to each other and um, like how that is impacted but I feel like that has a lot of similarities to the way that um, the social network came across as well as um it's still like a dramedy um but it does focus more on those um or attempts to focus more on those dramatic beats um as a priority than than say the um comedy aspects of it i i don't know if you got anything nah except i can't believe you would compare this garbage to a david fincher film uh that's pretty much it Oh, also, side note: watch watch the killer. That's a good movie. I, I didn't. I was going to mention in um, Max and Mitch's mini media. Just as a side note, it's 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 the, it's the new David Fincher that's out on Netflix. It's good. Watch that. But yeah, uh, I'm done. That's it. I've I've ranted about this movie enough. I've said I, I've I've had to dance around the R word enough to discuss, to discuss. Yeah, I'll talk. I'll say what my thing is. Um, I, I'm giving it two times. I thought Seth Rogen was actually me. In brackets, we look alike. I have a running joke in my my things this week. God, I'm clever. I said I was the dumbest man alive before. Incorrect. I'm the smartest man alive. But, but yeah, uh, sorry. I gave uh, dumb money four stonks in a diversified portfolio out of five. So what like stonks we're we looking at here? Uh, film, diverse, game, film, game, uh, book. W- Wizards of the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, the one I'm missing is the Wizards of the East Coast. Wait, which one is it? Which one? No, is the correct of, one? Because there were four out of five. Yeah, so is I said Wizards of the West, West Coast, Coast, and then and then I don't have Wizards of the East Coast. Wizards of the East Coast isn't a thing. No, that's a joke because neither is Wizards of the West Coast. What? What? No, that's the guys who do D and D. No, it's Wizards of the Coast. Fuck. <laughs> it was West Coast. We have fan mail. Do, 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 do. Fan mail. Oomph.
That's so much louder than every other sound effect we have. How do you balance these? I don't. Oh, that's my secret cap. I don't balance. That's my secret cap. I don't balance. Uh, do you want to read it out, Max? Because oh, I don't have access to I'll, the... I'll read it out. We have um, some fan mail this week titled, This is not okay. Oh, no. What did we do? Dear Mitch and Max. Hi. As a devoted listener, I have to express my disappointment at the lack of fan mail in recent episodes. It's just oh not good enough. You can't be cutting segments willy-nilly and expect your listeners not to feel robbed. Frankly, it's insulting. The people of the potty need the do 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 doos We gotta have the oomph. <laughs> if you care about us at all, you'll get it sorted out. Sincerely, viva la oomph. I want to point out that we've cut many segments from uh, this. We haven't done a point in a while. Ooh. God fucking damn it. I didn't give it out. If the point's not given out, you don't make the noise. As I was saying, I haven't mentioned the abyss in a while either. I don't know if that was a segment, but it, it was a running joke that we had. Uh, look, do you want the real reason why we haven't been doing fan mail? Our, our inbox is dry, drier than the Sahara Desert. It's drier than me on a on a Tuesday night because I'm not drinking alcohol on a Tuesday night. That's silly. Why would I drink on a Tuesday okay, night? I thought you meant something else by dry, but okay. My it's drier than my wit. Sure. What, what did you mean? What did you do, mean? Do you not? Do you actually not know what I meant? Well, I think I do, but I don't want to say it. So I like, want you to say it. If you're if you're like having a good time. In a specific mm. context. You oh, you mean wet? Getting wet because yeah, of like, sexual if things? Not, if you're not that, then you're... I'm dry? Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, I didn't go there. That's all you, baby. Also, that is what I thought you were going to say. But I didn't... As I said, I'm glad I didn't say it. I'm glad you said it. Everyone thinks I'm the gross one, but it's really you. You're the naughty one. But yeah, we don't have any fan mail. I promise... We will even do more than one if we get more than one at a time, but we don't, so we can't. Uh, but yeah, uh, send us fan mail. I'll tell you where uh, at blockbustedpotty at gmail.com. That's potty spelled P O D D I E. This has been the Blockbuster Podcast. I've been what was Finance Bro Mitch. <laughs> I have been. Uh, your analyst. securities analyst. I'm specialized oh. over the course of this podcast. Oh, did Max. you like, um, did you finish your major or something? Yeah, I finished my major in stocks and securities. Hell yeah. Uh, you can send us questions, reviews, and warranted hate mail at blockbustedparty at gmail.com. In fact, That's- we'd even encourage you to send it to yeah, that apparently email address. Yeah, apparently we've... We've accidentally cut out a segment simply just because we have no content to put in it. Maybe we'll just like leave it there. We'll put the fan mail. We're just like, we, we fan mail for this week. Do, 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 fan mail. Oomph. No fan mail. And then we cut to the outro just to remind people that it's still there. Uh, that's potty spelled P O W D I E. You can also find us. Let me scroll down. I know this off by heart, but I still don't have to read it. Um, you can find us on X, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the username BB Potty. This week, get stonky with it. Get real stonky. I'm saying lather up, 
buy some stank stonk buy some stonk buy, buy some stonk what stonk are you gonna yeah. buy I'm gonna buy more stonks in film more, more film stonks more film stonks you say that I was ripped off I say you don't see the bigger picture I mean but where are you gonna sell your film stonks to Hollywood <laughs> <laughs>